Attention listeners, do you ever find yourself struggling to decide what to watch on a Saturday night when you're in the mood for horror? Or perhaps you're trying to round out your own horror film education. In either case, I'm sure you'll be able to make some great discoveries in my 10x10 horror watch list, featuring a breakdown of the 10 favorite horror movies from 10 renowned horror directors. We did a deep dive of the favorite horror movies from directors including Guillermo del Toro, Ari Aster, Jordan Peele, Quentin Tarantino, James Gunn, Rob Zombie, Martin Scorsese, and many, many more. Here you'll find a collection of each director's favorite horror movies, along with quotes about what they appreciated about the films, all in an easy-to-reference PDF that you can download absolutely free. Featuring a mix of well-worn classics and deep cuts, hopefully you'll discover some overlooked gems and look at old classics through new lenses. Download the 10x10 Horror Watch List for free by visiting nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. That's nicktaylor.com slash horrorguide. Welcome back to the Nick Taylor Horror Show. Oog Barbier, Justin Timms, and Joe Yannick are the trio behind Yellow Veil, a New York and LA-based worldwide film sales and distribution company with a focus on horror and boundary-pushing genre cinema. Their slate includes Lose, I Trap the Devil, Blood Quantum, The Cleansing Hour, Hellbender, Depraved, Seder, and most recently, Gaspar Noe's Lux Eterna. In this conversation, Oog, Justin, and Joe get into how they came together as a company, keys to successfully producing boundary-pushing indie movies, and what they look for in the movies they produce. Without further ado, please enjoy this conversation with Yellow Veil. All right, so we got Hughes, Justin, and Joe from Yellow Veil in the house. Guys, how are you doing? Amazing. How are you doing? Doing good. Doing really good. Uh, really excited to talk to you guys. I think in addition to having probably the best production logo I've maybe ever seen, <laughs> um, really excited by a lot of the movies that you guys are putting out. And I, I feel like you're one of very few studios who has a pretty distinctive brand of content. Um, A24 is another example. You can always kind of tell, oh, that's an A24 movie. I feel like you guys are, are really developing a very specific sort of uh, brand, you know, when it comes, when it comes to your content, is that on purpose? Was there any sort of thinking behind that? I mean, I think, yeah. I, I mean, thank you because we're a company that started with like no money. So the only thing we have is like our identity. So to, we wanted, like we have to craft a lineup that like people, I think go like, wow, like, it's cool that these guys like worked on these movies. Um, and I think we had like, you know, early on, we were lucky to have a couple really awesome calling cards right away. Like I, you know, lose obviously from Berlin, Halle, yeah. um, from Tillman singer and, you know, starfish was our second acquisition. Uh, and then we had, you know, um, I trapped the devil, go to IFC quite early on too. So I, we, we were able to sort of get really lucky with a lot of cool films early on. Nice. And you said that you guys came together with with no money. Can you tell us the overall origin story, like how you guys know each other, how you came together, and how you got the company off the ground? I know it's a big question. 
uh yeah yeah i can take that we um i mean it kind of it kind of came together honestly because we found lose um in berlin but um to we kind of knew each other from the festival side like joe Ug and i um i i worked with uh brooklyn horror and um Ug and i are doing north bend together and joe was at visit films doing festival booking so we kind of worked with joe a lot anyway and also he's just in new york so we knew him from being at festivals and things like that um and one day joe was just like you want to start sales company um what do you think of that idea or you think there's like a, a room in the market for a company like ours and i was just like yeah totally <laughs> and, i think actually uh, what it was was because I, I i was t i didn't like outright ask you i kind of was like hey like <laughs> yeah you no know and i was like do you know any all genre sales companies that are based in the u.s and like there i mean obviously there's a lot of companies that focus on genre but we couldn't really think of necessarily like one company that only did genre and did like art house genre for sales and he's like no let's do it and i was just like oh okay that made it easy <laughs> we, we were kind of like talking about um then we started talking about oog kind of naturally um but oog was working on another company so we um we didn't necessarily want to ask him to leave another company and like come work with us on our crazy idea that we don't know if it's is going to work or not, you know? Right. Um, and we called them and we kind of gave him the same speech. Like, what do you think of this idea? And he was just like, I'm in. We're, oh. we're like, oh, okay. You know, they didn't really ask me though. That, that was the, I just added to the company because it's like, shit, he said yes. And we have to roll with it. Wow. And I think from that point, we launched the company officially, like just mere months later i think like less it was less than six months from that point yeah we kind um, of like we kind of had a longer plan from that point we, we we thought maybe it would be a while but then um we we found Luz and we we met tillman um and just from like the very first time we talked with tillman it was just like perfect fit like they they're awesome and um we, i mean we're still like great friends like we're we're sad because we're not in berlin right now um but uh every it's nice because every year at least we can go to berlin and like he's in germany so it's it's cool to, to catch up like as our the movie we launched with so yeah um, it's so, a yeah. funny thing for you know like the the lineup and how people could perceive as you know having an identity because the i mean you know like about the origin story and where we're coming from and mm -hmm. you know the 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 festival thing i think the the rule of thumb more or less it, there is some exceptions to it but usually it's we have to all three of us love the movie to work on it yeah and so there is exceptions where you know i love a movie that you know joe and justin don't and so there is this weird thing where the where the taste of the company collides is basically the intersection of all three of us yeah that's really yeah it's it's interesting because I mean, I've talked to the uh, radio silence guys also. Uh -huh. And similarly, it's like, if we don't all love the movie, we're not going to write it. We're not going to do it. Or, you know, just finding that consensus, I think is, uh, is really interesting. Do you guys have similar tastes in movies or is it the fact that you guys have different tastes that make your collaboration as interesting <laughs> as it, it is? it changes daily. <laughs> <laughs> we have, I think we have colliding tastes. Like when we all, I think when we all, the thing is, it's like, 
we're probably all suspect of each other's tastes in some cases, but like when we all love something, I think we know, okay, there's probably something to this. If we all love it and we all like, we're really champions in like weird films sometimes. So Nice, nice. So when you guys decided to start the company, what was the first step? I mean, just going from, okay, we want to work together. How do we get this off the ground? What were some of the steps in you guys like establishing a company to now having a large number of movies under your your production banner or distribution banner rather. There was a long process of getting organized, like on behind the scenes before we like actually came out and launched the company. Like we, we did do it faster than we thought, but I mean, we still um, originally found lose in, in February and we kind of kept it quiet until what was it? July or August. Uh, yeah, yeah. And we, yeah, we basically did the, the company was originally started in January or February where we started to have the inception of all this. We somewhat did the formality of, you know, like all the paperwork in March. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, we basically acquired the movie, did everything behind the curtain. Um, but I'm going to let Justin finish with this. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a long process. And also, I mean, now we're doing distribution. But at the beginning, we were doing sales and the whole process of trying to think like, we want to work on movies that we like and we don't want to do volume to all of a sudden having more movies that we like that we were expecting to. And yeah. You know, the- and I think from like a filmmaker perspective, we we, we really approached our launch. It was we, we were able to sort of do it silently in the background because we started with festivals, which is really like kind of like how we do all of our films ground up. We like really like prioritize a really smart festival run and and we built we, we were able to start building sort of like a word of mouth um you know reputation for the film i think like among programmers and things like that and then we launched the film publicly at fantasia which has like a really incredible um publicity aspect to it i mean the press team there works really hard and i yeah. think like that's something to like focus on is like how festival like what festivals are, are really pushing press because lose exploded out of fantasia and it had already been on the festival circuit for like six or seven months at that point wow. or five five or six months and that and it was really like at fantasia that it became like a really hot title for us um which was great that's really cool so you got so that was the first movie out of the gate was was lose and I'm probably oversimplifying it but you guys saw it you went you went on the festival specifically looking to acquire a movie and saw lose loved it bought it and you know the rest is sort of history yeah I mean we had to scramble together like a like an opening slate uh, because you know we wanted to launch and not just be a small company with one film so yeah. there was other there was like other things in terms of like you know I guess how you mentioned pick up um i trapped the devil before that it was kind of like in a not in a rough cut but like not finished stage um maybe like three quarters yep. done uh when we when we came on um and um so yeah so we had that and then we had a few other things we were we announced with it but um but yeah actually one thing we 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 didn't necessarily say like out of order here, but um, we kind of saw that like being on the festival side, that there were movies like this, that ultimately were great movies, but never really find the right home. Mm-hmm. Um, so we kind of came to the, uh, that's part of the, the story of how we, we decided on this like type of film that we were going to work on is like, they're, they're there every year. There's these few movies that, that no one really knows what to do with because they're a little, 
they're not genre enough or they're they're a little too weird for some reason or things like that so um yeah just to just to include that, <laughs> that yeah piece. yeah no which is great because i mean i think there's such unique titles i actually interviewed josh lobo uh right around the time I Trapped came out. He loves you guys, first of all. He spoke real highly. <laughs> we love him. <laughs> yeah, he loved working with you guys. Said you were a blast to work with. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think he just texted me today, I think, actually. <laughs> oh, nice. How's he doing? Uh, as far as I know, pretty good. <laughs> good, good. Yeah, curious to see whatever he does next. I Trapped yeah. was, was, uh, was, was pretty interesting. Um, so for the uninitiated, can you guys just give us the long and short of what you do as a company? I mean, you, you mostly specialize in sales and distribution, right? Yeah, and distribution is relatively recent. We only launched distribution in October of last year with Knocking. Um, and that kind of came as a natural progression from sales. And I suppose like, you know, I don't know how much you have sales companies on the podcast, but like, you know, I think sales are sometimes ob obvious for some people and sometimes mm -hmm. even people in the film world don't really know, like have never worked with a sales agent or really don't right. know. So, I mean, there's all different types of sales agents, but we operate as like a rather boutique agency where we're like kind of mixing marketing and sales together. We're really like, like we're not doing like sort of like library output sales we're right. doing like very specialized runs um you know so i th i think like you know in terms of sales is we're, we're kind of ground up with the filmmakers uh mm -hmm. taking it to festivals and then bringing it on the market and actually getting it to distributors around the world Got it. um but yeah with distribution it's cool because now kind of some of the ga gaps we're seeing in, in North American distribution, um, we're able to film in certain ways as well. And we're able to sort of bring the same sales mind to distribution. And, you know, certainly Justin and Oog have experience in theatrical and uh, spaces and distribution too. So it kind of made sense for us. Cool. And in terms of distribution, where do you feel we are right now? Um, because theaters, unfortunately, are seeming... I hate when people say theater is dead because I don't believe that. But post-COVID, it's been, you know, really, really difficult. Um, I'm seeing Jackass tonight, so I'm going to the theater. I'm trying to go see movies as often as possible. But um, in terms of... A wonderful experience. Yeah? <laughs> yeah, Jackass was... It was it was magical. Oh, that's awesome. That's, yeah. where, that's where we disagree sometimes with with Joe. Like the, I had a hard time to see through four jokes for ninety minutes. But <laughs> like I've gone ninety more. Yeah, normally it's not my thing, but something about it. There is something about this movie that that's that's very. Uh, uh, Visceral. It uh, got like a 94 in Rotten Tomatoes, which I, I know, was it's shocked amazing. by. So like it yeah. must be, yeah, it must be. I mean, you know, it's 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 what the cinema was at some point. You know, like you have, you have to be viscerally hitting certain notes. And, yeah, you know, when it's like a Grand this. Guignol. But, but it's a movie about, about friendship. friendship. It yeah. is. A, oh, there's a friendship. And, ma and male friendship. And it has more full frontal male nudity in a mainstream <laughs> movie than awesome. I've ever seen. Awesome. Which has to be, I feel like they had to have like grease some wheels to get that and like an R rating because it, it, it's, it's a lot. Okay. <laughs> the other ones were pretty serious with like, you know, dicks and balls and the, he was drinking, uh -huh. um, cow, you know, bull semen at one point. Like, I don't know how any of that got that happens. The <laughs> they bring it up, but they bring it back. Yeah. Oh, they bring it back. Oh, great. <laughs> Not to spoil anything, but yeah, there's some cool now, stuff. Imagine it all now though. 
in HD. Oh, <laughs> that's the biggest difference. Cause like before there was like mini DV, I feel like yeah. there's like a green, there's something yeah. there blocking. And I blocking. actually was a, a viewer of the original season one of Jackass on MTV, which was really lo-fi that was made with like fucking camcorders. So yeah, now yeah. HD, like, what is it? 20 something years later. Okay. So I'm mm. in for a delight. <laughs> <laughs> But um, in terms of, uh, I mean, in terms of where movies are at right now, I feel like streaming is is getting is big, getting bigger. Obviously, it's a huge understatement. But we have more niche platforms like Shutter and Screenbox coming out of the woodwork. It feels like it's a heyday for horror, and particularly horror filmmakers who are well poised, more so than seemingly any other time period, to get movies off the ground for very little money, um, and also get them get them seen by people. Do you feel like this is sort of a heyday for indie horror filmmakers? In ways, yeah. I think it always kind of is. And I mean, because the thing is, I think one of the last places you can be weird is in genre, because you know, there's like a there's like an unspoken rule that if it's horror, something like all bets are off. There's supernatural. There's all these things. But we're we're in a kind of interesting place. Yeah. I mean, maybe Justin or Ugg wanna. Well, I mean, it's. I think like the secret of all this is, you know, the being in a better, worse, or different position. Is it, people are consuming that medium, medium in general, like movies, in a different way that they were ten years ago. Yeah. And as long as you find that specific way that your niche corresponds to, for example, you are saying, yeah, I mean, like people, people are basically Shutter is a big thing. The, I mean, they obviously like their subscribers exploded, and and they are mostly like very, very loud. Like they are talking about the movies, which is very cool. I mean, Screenbox, you know, like the Cinedime thing, and also the Blu-rays, the Blu-rays for you know specialty Blu-rays, like the Vinegar Syndrome, and all the partners. We're well, working with them for most of our releases. Nice. It's big, you know. Um, the I I'm French, as you can as you can hear. I can tell you that you know in France you have also a market that start to develop about the Blu-ray and you know mm-hmm. trying to have like this specialized and, and nice edition. It's not as developed it, it, it is that uh, as it is in in this country. I think there is it's always trying to find the best way possible to access your audience. Mm-hmm. And I think now there is so many ways, like, you know, from SVOD to AVOD to VOD to theater to, you know, videogram. If you find for each movie the best way to, 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 to reach them, it's, it's a win. Yeah. Yeah. And I think what excites me the most, I mean, streaming has its issues, of course, you know, in terms of how it dominates the industry in a lot of ways. And it's hard to fight for visibility when like films become like content. But I think what really excites me about like the certain, certain age of streaming that we're in is that it's, it, we're starting to see curated platforms, like okay. special specialty platforms, like shutter has great curators like Sam and Emily who are at shutter and incredible, incredible. They know good movies. They're bringing good, good programming. You can, you can, you can like trust, trust it. I, you know, I think fan, like the return of like Fandor or like movie, you have these finely curated platforms. And I really think that to me, and that's also why the specialty Blu-ray market does so well is like, you can trust a curate, like a curatorial brand. Um, you know, if, if you trust the people who are putting the movies out. So, uh, it, it excites me that you, yeah, you can find new audiences easily because people will trust you know, a certain platform. It's harder when you have just like a more general large platform with thousands of titles because then there's like kind of a cloud, like it's a bit messy. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. 
So as a company, you guys formed in uh, 2018, I think, which was fairly recent. And I mean, again, you guys have just seemingly blown up. A lot of movies under your label. Um, you guys, any tips on uh, successfully building a production company the way that you guys have? Again, sorry, distribution company. Sometimes it sounds a little naive, but like to me, it's like, don't really like listen to the industry and like, like understand it, but like, don't. Don't work on stuff because it supposedly works. I mean, like, right. trust your gut. I mean, I think that goes for all levels of filmmaking. Like, you'll be told a lot of things as a filmmaker, like, what to do. And, like, a lot of them are, are smart. But I think, like, what it's so exciting and why we love first features are they're usually the one time a filmmaker doesn't have that many people telling them what to do. Mm-hmm. And I think you get really amazing stuff, even if it's messy, even if it's sloppy, when you just get someone really like trying and like putting every bit of passion they have into something. So to me, like I never want to not work on like debut films because they're so they're so exciting. That's great. The film world doesn't work without them, in my opinion. I mean that goes back to what Justin said where, you know, like the inception of the company was, you know, like because we were coming this from this festival background where we saw some movies and we saw the reaction of audiences to see those movies and thinking like they are missing something. Yeah. And it's basically because we trusted our um impression of all this and we're just like well you know if we can do a blueprint of those movies that nobody wants because it feels nowhere but all of a sudden we put a marketing behind so i mean like the this is like you know what justin and joe said like it's more or less like trust your guts when you're starting a company and yeah. you know and obviously you have a big part of chance which is like you have to fit with the side guides you know and you can't just like starting something and hoping for the best, you know, like there is always a chance factor behind this, what, you know, people actually want to see what you, what you give them. Yeah. Um, but we would not be able to do what we do if we didn't love all this movie and if we didn't love the process and we didn't love working with those, you know, because there is something about, you know, like the, you were, you were asking earlier, like, what is the process? On a daily basis, what we're doing, we are listening to the filmmakers a lot. Are trying to see how do they want their release to be done. We yeah. are, you know, finding the right poster maker. We are trying to find the right trailer maker. We are trying to package a movie in a way that is going to be interesting for the audience, but also on the sell side for the distributors. And we are trying to always be, you know, this third man in between the artist and and the people that are going to sell the movie. And that's very exciting on a daily basis. Like you know, like trying to help their vision to be seen yeah. the best way possible. Yeah, I mean, in that you kind of have to learn how to play the game to get what you want, and, and so it's like it's not all just like you know, not like like be yourself and stuff. Like there are places you have to compromise, especially like for platforms like VOD and stuff like that. Like you know, a lot of VOD posters don't look great. Uh, there's a reason for it. It's because like on that style of platform where you're seeing a ton of little posters, it's really hard to stand out so they're just trying to stand out um so like if you learn if you know that you know what they're looking for then you can still kind of create good materials that attract them but it's like you know it's like not trying to not play that game at like system like game at all is like you're gonna probably lose and end up at like heads with the distributors so yeah there are certain sacrifices or compromises to make but like they don't have to be in like your film as much they can be like in a little bit like a little bit of marketing or something like figure out how to find the audience that will then like the movie yeah well i find it really um what's the opposite of disheartening heartening uh heartwarming 
uh, that you guys really like working with first time filmmakers. Cause I feel like it's, it's typically pretty difficult to, to get your first movie made. And the fact that you guys look for that, I think is, uh, is very, very encouraging for the, for the industry itself. Um, when you guys were just starting out, did you take on investors or did you just bootstrap everything? No, just all ground up. It was literally, I think the, the, the only investment we made in the company was just like incorporated. And then it was just like, we were able to like, do like we were like, we were just always able to reinvest back in the company. So it was just kind of like, like yeah, making it was many smart. years of not getting paid <laughs> for a while. Yeah. For- yeah. We paid, we paid a lot. We paid a lot for our logo. That's what we did, you know. But apparently, we, we paid us. <laughs> it's a beautiful honestly, logo. That was already that was already something like it was like it was always like put in a like put in a little like put reinvest 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 and I mean there we always knew from the the start that there's like two ways to do it is like you can look for investment but then you are it's not the three of us making the decisions it's the three of us with some sort of investor desire and maybe that's really like you know and your relationship with your investor could be everything so yeah for us to like just like really make a splash it was just like well let's just do this the other way um and let's just kind of like go ground up and i think you know i think at this point now it's like things have changed a lot for us internally like mm-hmm. it's, it's a lot different but it was it, it was it's like every year we experience i think like a pretty good growth and it's been steady since the beginning so it's it's been exciting Uh, and i think distribution represents a new part of that for us so we do a lot of different stuff with distribution um but it's also a lot different (laughs) yeah was there like an inflection point where it's like okay we can all quit our day jobs and go head for or did you guys just jump right into doing this into yellow veil full-time or a little bit of both no we jumped in (laughs) that's great (laughs) Um, I mean, we, I, th- I think we were trying to ease in, but there, it was, like we said, we had to launch and it was just like the only way to do it was just to jump in. I mean, like we, like, of course, like we like work in the industry, like we all had, we've all like, you know, consult or do other, other gigs and stuff like that. Yeah. But like, you know, Yellow Veil, Yellow Veil has been our main, our main thing since we started. Cool. What is next for you guys as a company? Any thoughts about getting in just actual top to bottom production? <clears throat> we've had... We've had our like toe. We've been dipping our toes in production for since kind of the start. You know, yeah. production is it's a long it's a long process and a lot of films, so it's not really like all that exciting. Sometimes it's yeah. exci- it becomes exciting very fast, and then it's over. <laughs> and you have a movie, but like a lot of a lot of it's quite boring, and right. you've been doing a lot of uh, pitching. So we're looking for it. Um, obviously, I think there's a lot of filmmakers we really love that we'd love to see some projects uh, on the ground, but it's. Um, you know, I think it's probably, yes, in the next year to two years, like, we'll probably start seeing, like, the fruits of, like, some production stuff come to light, so. Okay, great. I think, right. like, in general, you know, the reason why we expanded from sales to distribution and, you know, like, trying to dip into production in, and, and all this, because the the industry, and especially sales itself, or, you know, is not separated anymore. Mm-hmm. There is, like, a lot of links and also we see as a company that diversification of the platform and the yeah. way that we can make money is key especially you know we're not seven or we are not you know like big companies that you know makes volume to make money so you know at some point there is a certain 
a realistic way of seeing things where just like if we have few selected movies in distribution and few selected movies in sales and few selected movies in production, all this can make actually a living. We're never going to be rich. I mean, we don't, we don't do this, you know, to, of, of course, we want to live out of this, but this is not like the big game is to try. I know that sounds like very, you know, idealistic, utopistic or whatever, but we're genuinely doing this because we like the movies, yeah. because we like the people and we think that it's important. Those movies have to be seen in the best way possible. Uh, this yeah. is part of, you know, trying to not be part of this volume thing, but trying to cherry pick and present the movies the best way possible. Yeah. And it's... Say, I mean, you know, it shows. I mean, the movies feel so unique and so handcrafted, so curated. Um, they don't feel like cash grabs. They feel like very, very unique visions. I mean, I feel like you guys have a brand that you know people will not want to miss any of your movies because it's a Yellow Veil production. I mean, I feel like you guys are building a very strong that, brand. So that's great to hear. Yeah, I'm super excited <laughs> about what you guys do next. Um, there's a lot of cool filmmakers out there, you know. Yeah. We're, we're really thankful yeah. for everyone we've had, we've had the chance to work with. They're all they're all lovely people. Are always saying like without you know without the filmmakers that are trusting us to to present their movies, we're literally nothing, you know. Yeah. Uh, we listen to them, or trying to best to make the best. But if they are not here, the company would not even exist. Yeah. Well, how do new filmmakers get on your radar, particularly if they don't have their movie finished and it's not on the, if you're not finding their movies and acquiring them on the festival circuit, how do, how do new filmmakers, particularly first timers get on your radar? I mean, pretty team. You can I mean, write us. <laughs> Works at the most. Actually, it is good advice to not over like, I mean, you gotta, you gotta pitch yourself, but like do it like, yeah, I mean, like push, pu push it out when it makes sense. But I, I mean, we, we, we look at shorts, we we're watching features for, fe I mean, like we all sort of like, I actually still program for festivals in some way. Oh, cool. Um, so we're pretty immersed in that, in that world. Um, and we're meeting people through friends a lot. I mean, like that, you know, it is, they say it's like always who you know, and it's like, there's, there's like there's like an, the nepotism side of that argument, which right. certainly exists. But there's also the practical side of that argument is like people like like are really like looking to push their friends uh, when they went. So it's like a lot of people are just like, hey, guys, I think you would really like vibe. They have this project. And, you know, we just kind of like meet people. And when it makes sense that, you know, you can. Yeah, it you comes can, in all different ways. Unpredictable. Yeah. That's the thing with sales, too. It's like we didn't. We don't necessarily know the next movie because it, it, and we don't know when it comes. You know, um, it's it, so it's tricky. <laughs> it's weird. Gotcha, gotcha. Well, it's really cool. Um, were there any either books or resources for any of you guys that were particularly helpful, either from a career perspective or a creative perspective? Or were you guys school of hard knocks, just learned by doing in terms of your overall careers? I mean, I think practically learned by doing, but if I would say, if you're interested in sales, there's an incredible book called Spike Mike Slackers and Dykes uh, that, that, um, that traces uh, like one sales agent over, it's by John Pearson, who was a sales agent. He was a sales agent for like most of the massive like Sundance mm -hmm. hits in the nineties and he sold them. And he, it's really a, an era of film that's dead. So it's not very practical, except you, it's a wild ride. I mean, you're, yeah. you're hearing him talk about running from like a mere, like 
you know, meeting someone in a hot tub to another hotel room because he got like a $3 million offer and he's trying to flip it into like a $5 million offer. I mean, those deals few and far between in indie cinema nowadays. I mean, you're still getting big deals out of Sundance, but that book is, is fantastic. But there's, there's not a lot of books on sales that I think are very fascinating or I could be wrong on that, but that's the one that sticks out for me. Cool. Um, before we wrap up, Hellbender is coming out. By the time this podcast comes out, it'll probably be out. Um, you guys must be pretty psyched. I checked. I mean, I've been watching the trailer for weeks. Looks pretty awesome. Uh, yeah, I love it. It's so, so amazing. Um, yeah, it's, yeah. I mean, from now it's be out in two weeks. So, but even just the festival reaction, like people are, are loving it have seen it so uh, and it also couldn't the filmmakers couldn't be any sweeter like they're they're the greatest so i'm really happy for them and excited to have it out there um even just now like getting getting the materials out the trailer the poster like we i think it's all like really great stuff so we're we're happy with it and for those that don't know the filmmakers are a family the adams family um and and uh, not that Adam's family, but the other <laughs> Adam's family. Right. And they are like, to, to echo Justin, just the absolute realist people doing every single thing themselves, like strapping themselves up on ropes with like plastic <laughs> wow. sheets and like just commercial or just like regular fans underneath to, to create like comp comp shots of like flying in the air and stuff. It's the the, the most amazing like most DIY set of filmmakers wow. that I think you can find working in it's America. It's interesting because the, you know, usually you always say that, you know, like a first time filmmaker and, and you know, like they, these are inspirational people, you know, spirits. They are genuinely this, like they wanted to make movies, they bought a 5D. They have like one setting or a couple of settings and they're shooting in their backyard. They are literally like the, you know, like the, the essence of indie filmmaking like we want to do it i take my my two daughters my wife and i'm shooting this and everybody's part of this like you should check the credits so last question the yellow veil logo i clearly obsessed with it um clearly a, a giallo reference and the word giallo actually means yellow what was the inception of the logo and the company name exactly that the dumbest <laughs> We should just we should we should start being more vague about it and be more mysterious. But the uh-huh. real reality is we were like really struggling, and it's just like literally like giallo means yellow. Veil is kind of like a like the loosest analogy for cover, and because of like like the giallo were based on like the yellow cover books. Yeah, like it's yeah. Basically just a really obtuse stupid reference to giallo that also like had a cool ring to it nice. and and i think i sketched like a general idea of what i thought the logo should be which at first was just like a hand coming out of a like a gloved hand coming straight out of a of a triangle, triangle i believe but we brought it to uh gilles Vranc, uh who is a friend of oogs particularly and become a you know friend of ours and they just absolutely knocked it out of the park and uh and like in that, and that was like, like I mean, we were like, that was the one thing early on that we were like very, very, like specific about is we didn't want to go out with like a half-assed logo and yeah. then like a year later rebrand ourselves. Like we wanted to just go out and have the same logo for our entire company, and yeah. it's not easy to find that because 
logos or so, logos are something that can be very costly. For sure. So uh, we're forever in, uh, indebted to to Gilles for just wonderful, amazing, amazing. Gilles is a Gilles is a poster designer and a and designer just per se. He did like the Cathay and Forsani, you know, the strange color of my body's tears and and Amer. He's a guy that designs this. So okay. that came as a corpses ten. Yeah, and the copper stand. Obviously. Oh, nice! Yeah, I love that yeah, one. Yeah. He, he basically designed the posters for all three of them. Like yeah. that's the copper stand is actually one of my favorite one of everything he did. Oh, nice! Um, so it came like a natural. He's doing also posters for Arrow and a couple of others. Yeah, it's such an amazing logo. I think you guys could sell merchandise. Like I could see it on T-shirts and we, a hat. We're going to <laughs> NFT. We're going to NFT this thing. Oh, so nice! Someone- oh no, no, we are not. No, 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 no. no. Cut. That's the thing you should edit. <laughs> and hats and stuff at. Vin- we, we do have some hats, hats, yeah. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah, we have good. We have like some very nice uh, pins and some hats you can find. On oh, there. nice! So they're available on the website. Yeah, they're yeah. on uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Vinegar Syndrome. Oh, yeah. beautiful. Okay, cool, yeah. cool. So, you listeners, head to Vinegar Syndrome and grab yourself a yellow veil hat. Guys, this was awesome. Thank you so much. This was a real blast. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. This was really fun. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, of course. Before uh, we part ways, any uh, parting advice for people who want to do what you guys do? Uh, <laughs> good luck. Um, <laughs> not easy. Uh, to do to launch a company is kind of cra- is like kind of crazy. And I mean, I think like we all were at a point in our career where we just like we're we're very hungry uh i i'm very happy to have done it but like to say to do it again would be really hard but also to work in the industry i think at all is hard so you know i think whatever you love just fucking go for it i mean to an extent there's there's a lot of there's a lot of privilege in saying that too i understand you got to pay the bills but like you you could find ways to pay bills i guess too you know we do like i said you have to do a lot of side gigs but like if you really do like want believe in something it's like worth doing side gigs to like put your heart into something you like, in my opinion. And it's not been easy, but it's been really rewarding. So great. Perfect words to end on guys. Thank you again. This was great. Thank Thank you you so much. All right. So here as always are some key takeaways from this conversation with yellow veil. Number one, unanimous love is a must. As a company, the guys have different tastes, but the DNA of their slate requires a mutual love of every movie they put out. Producing movies is grueling, lengthy, complicated, and backbreaking work. If you're not all in and you don't have passion to make it through the tough times, you're simply not going to pull your weight. Because of this, Oog, Joe, and Justin all agreed that they need to all love each movie they work on, as their mutual passion will motivate them to push each movie through and forward to completion. Number two, trust your gut. When selecting movies, Oog, Joe, and Justin don't use any moneyball metrics or read the Hollywood Reporter headlines to see what's popular and then make films based on perceived audience interest or what's considered hot right now. Instead, They trust their gut. If they see a movie that's totally off the wall and unlike anything they've ever seen, they rely on an intangible, intuitive gut feeling to tell them whether or not to pull the trigger on it. The danger of always relying on data and proven formulas is you'll ultimately make derivative movies. 
However, it's still important to see everything and be aware of what's popular. In the 80s, Brian Usna and Stuart Gordon binge-watched every single horror movie that came out in the previous two years. They didn't do it to see what was popular and then made movies based on the same things. No, instead, they wanted to see what audiences were seeing so they could deliver something completely fresh and different instead of a copycat or coattail riding film. As a result, they came up with Reanimator. All of this comes down to gut instinct and not what's trendy. Number three, support first-timers. All of you first-timers, listen up. Yellow Veil loves working with first-time directors. They claim there's a blissful ignorance of what you're allowed to do and not allowed to do, which makes many first films very exciting and different. Embrace that in yourself. Don't try to make your movie fit into a box. The public needs to see your unique raw vision in a way that hasn't been tampered with. So all of you who are insecure about your lack of experience can rest assured that this insecurity could very well be your greatest strength as a director. Anyway, guys, if you enjoyed this episode, why not share it with your friends and family on social media? Don't forget to follow the show on Instagram at I'm Nick Taylor, that's I am Nick Taylor, and on Twitter at the same handle. Thanks again for listening to the Nick Taylor Horror Show.